Well, welcome this morning for those uh, that have been joining us these first few weeks of this new year. We are simulcasting here between the services, and we are going through our new mission, values, strategy, and outcomes. So over the last year, many of us have been working on those. Over two, almost 200 people across our body of believers helping us hone in on 155 years of history to see what God has next. So if you've got one, they're, they're out in the back. If you'd want to grab one, there's bookmarks, so great for a bookmark, but also have those things on them as we're learning those together and putting those uh, in us as we learn where we're going uh, for the next several years. So these first few minutes uh, this week and next, uh, for sure, we're gonna, I just want to unpack and just remind us where we've been because this is new. So we want to just re-ingrain that and help people think about it. I'm also going to be trying things with technology myself, so a little grace in that. Uh, I am a techie, uh, but uh, we'll be trying that. So first, Kevin unpacked for us a few weeks ago our new mission statement. So with that, this mission statement, everyone, every day, helping one another experience life-giving freedom in Jesus. Those last two words are important. This is not a worldly freedom but the freedom in Jesus with our identity where it belongs in him alone. The freedom to forgive. I've had to do that this week. I don't know if you have, but two staff members, when I realized that night I was, I'd been a jack wagon that day and needed to go back the next day and ask for forgiveness. It's to become disciples of Jesus, to not post that negative comment on social media you're dying to do. The purpose of this statement should be to guide us, all of us, whether online, in the auditorium here, in our main sanctuary, to guide us who come here to know what we are to do, every one of us, every day, helping one another experience Jesus. Everyone, every day, Jesus. Last week, Clayton started to push into our new values using the parable of the mustard seed and Barnabas and those stories. And what these, what you should, the values are be what you should experience if you come to our body. The first one, progress over perfection. We know our good God always has more for us than we can achieve on our own. Life is a journey, isn't it? A journey of sanctification, which is just a big biblical word that means progress. We're all going to be working, transforming our lives when we turn away from death and eternal separation from God toward Jesus and repent. But as my social media tags say, stumbling all the way because we're works in progress. But as Clayton asked us last week, can we be learners? Can we continue to learn and be disciples? The next one. Refuge over rejection. We experience the astonishing grace of Jesus as we are seen, known, and loved. We need to be a place of refuge. We must see and meet people where they're at in life. But, but, part of being a place of refuge is helping others see the changes that need to be made, moving them closer to Jesus. Jesus did this every time we saw him, whether it's with Zacchaeus, the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, his own disciples, meeting them where they're at, but then saying, stop it, go and sin no more. Truth and grace. Can we do this in love? We'll talk more about that in a bit. 
See, we have talked about identity, community, and belonging for many years here. It is foundational to who we are. So as Clayton asked us last week, can we be good listeners and build relationships with everyone every day, even those we may not understand or disagree with? And our last main value is many over me. We partner with the Spirit to make disciples who multiply near and far. Do you see our old mission statement in there? It's something we value. We need to start in our homes, in the places we work, in our schools, but also on mission trips and things where we travel, wherever we are. And what's really exciting to us, is it's not exciting, but exciting, in Marion County, in the place we live, over 50% of people don't go to church, don't have a relationship with God. So how do we push into that? Every one of us, every day, have that calling. It's an all play. And that's what we're going to push into. So as Clayton asked us last week, can we be looking and paying attention and truly seeing our neighbors? Then last week, Clayton introduced our new logo that we've been working on. So thank you to Desha, Derek DeHaan helped us with that. And we have a site with merch at Dutch Fronts. All the proceeds go to missions uh, for our kids, sending them out, living out this mission. There is a lot. And we're still, we're going to push into our strategy and our first outcome. And over the next couple weeks, a couple more of our outcomes. There's a lot here. We know it. But I hope it's exciting. It's exciting to us on staff. It's exciting to those who helped us put those together as we move into where God is leading us into the future. So today we're going to shift a little bit and talk about a couple other things, but I wanted to start first because I think it's important with a little bit of some words from Martin Luther. Many of you know that I grew up in the Lutheran church, so I was confirmed Lutheran. I became a pastor through the Reformed church, so I always say I'm Reformed squared. I got Luther and Calvin. Uh, so, but some of the words of Martin Luther that he said, he said, if I could understand the first two words of the Lord's prayer, our Father. If I could understand those two words like Christ did, how much more would I grasp the reality of God? So as we move and we unpack these things, all of these things are rooted in scripture, in prayer. They're going to be a lot of words on a page and bookmarks. But as we move through the next months, year, years, hopefully you'll unpack the significance that they have. There's more than just the words because it's easy to read our Father and read the prayer every, nearly every week. But do we take the time to understand the true meaning of that prayer? So we'll keep unpacking the words of these mission values and work to live them out. Does that make sense? Can I get some head nods? Coffee, I 11? No, thank you. So this morning we are going to move into, in the sermon in a sentence, really a question. And what I've been wrestling my, with myself, especially as we get to the outcome, is what is your reflection? Jesus or the world? What are you showing everybody? So we have a couple things to go through. I'm going to go through the strategy fairly quickly. Those of you that were with us last August, Katie, Clayton, and I pushed into those, dripped those even though we hadn't uh, rolled them out. But I want to make sure we understand them and what those, what those are, bless, train, recharge. And these are things that those who attend or come to visit us, they should know the places they should go. So let's start with bless. Bless is up and out. Summary of the great commandment, love God, love others. 
So up in worship, as we did this morning, blessing God. That is one of the major things we were created for is to bless and worship God. Did you know that? That's part of our responsibility. So whether it's here in corporate communion, in your homes, or when you see me driving in my Explorer, jamming out and singing full lungs, praise God from whom all blessings flow. We are created to worship and bless God. And out, we need to put the out in outreach in all the things that we do. Everyone, every day, it's in our mission statement. We're to be a place of refuge. It's right there in our values. One way to do this is just be a blessing. We talked about this a little bit. There's a link on the back of the card here. One-on-one living. We'll be unpacking more and more as this series goes on. But even back last summer, we said, what if everyone that comes in contact with Third Church during a week says one blessing a day to someone else? That's a million blessings over the course of the year. How could that change our town, our community, if we did that instead of posting all the fun stuff we like to click to? Outreach could be mission trips, whether it's going to towns around us, working at the well or Many Hands for Haiti in Des Moines or going on a trip to Abaco in Mexico. And it could be giving time talents. We need to push into those places where we we need resources. We need volunteers to run this. We have hundreds of volunteers. Thank you for doing that. There's other things we need more volunteers for, but also our treasures. We give away 25% of what comes in. The more we give in, the more we give out. We need to be the people of God and bless others. The next one, train. As Kevin mentioned the first week in Matthew 28, we are made to make, we are to be made and to make disciples. So we have to push into, what are we following? TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, or his book? Which one? And I want, I want to clear up, you know, Kevin pushed into this really well, but it's not just, there was a little confusion. It's not just political views. See, this is shaping us. What's true, what's right, what's wrong, okay? We're caught in our own echo chambers of what we think is right. Pushing most of us, because the algorithms do this, either into fundamentalism, fundamental Christianity, like the Sadducees and Pharisees, or over into progressive Christianity. Both are wrong. So we need to be mindful of who our trainer is. We need to be transparent as well in ongoing groups. We have a whole team working on a new group's table ministry. And how do we push into that? Because that's where we live life together when we're going through the ups and downs to daily take time to pray and recharge with God because the roller coaster of life is hard with all the twists, turns, ups and downs. We need to take time and rest in God each day through quiet worship music, nature walks, whatever that is for you. We'll have retreats and events to connect with God and get refilled. Sabbath is something we talked about for nearly a year here. We need to keep pushing into that because God has far more for us than we can ourselves. I'm sorry, but I saw a few of you taking writing notes like crazy. This isn't a checklist. If you make this a checklist, you've missed the point. These are circles. Each one is kind of a circle. There's no start and end. It's part of all of our transformation for a lifetime. So a mission Again, mission will help those who coming here know what we are to do. The values will, will, will should be what you experience with us. The strategy is places to go. And now we're going to move into the outcomes. And these help us, those that come here, to understand what we're becoming. What do we want to become? 
If you've been with us for a while, maybe you've looked at our website, our belief statements are there. Those are fantastic. That helps you know who we are. But also our exec board, part of Consistory, has said this for many, many years. What is the purpose? What is the ends of those that attend Third Church? And it's this. People who come in contact with the Third Church body will experience the fruit of the Spirit, an ever-deepening intimacy with the triune God, and an ever-increasing sacrificial generosity of the body. That's where we're going. So what are these outcomes? These outcomes were developed so we know more concretely if we're living into the mission statement where we're guiding our community. So they're kind of key indicators that help us know if we're getting there. So with that as background, we're going to push into our first outcome today. And those of you, these should sound familiar. If you were here with us last April and May, we did a survey in the service. Thank you. We had over 1,200 people, almost 1,200 people take the survey. So for data heads like me, that's really good from a statistical standpoint to have 1,200 people take that survey. It gives us a great baseline of where we are. I'm going to come back and show you some of those results at the end. But that's just what they are, a baseline. They're just a temperature gauge. And in two years or so, we'll take it again and see if the programs and things we're doing are making us disciples. So our first one was image bearer. How am I deepening my relationship with Jesus today? If you've been with us, you know we've been talking for a couple years now of, of the, the, the circle of love, the reality of the Trinity, and that we are invited, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we are invited through Jesus' death and resurrection into that relationship. In John 15, it talks about that abiding relationship where we are in the vine, and he provides that fruitfulness. Only through Jesus, in Jesus, do we get that. What a joy it is to to be a part of that. And that out, this outcome is foundational one. It is key to who we are becoming as a community of believers. Seeking an ever-deeping in- intimacy with God. So you can turn to these pages if you have your Bibles. It's the easiest one, page two or page one, depending on which one you have. And again, I know... F- we're not going to do the image of God justice in one sermon. This is a sermon series. There are multiple verses. We're just going to use Genesis 1, 26 through 27 this morning. Hear these words. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. People of God, this is the word of God. Like God. That is an amazing declaration, isn't it? Made in his image. That's a profound announcement. He's talking about all of us online in both rooms here this morning. All of us were created in his image. 6,000 years ago on the sixth literal day of creation, we were created in his image. Imagio Dei, personal relationship with him. We have God-like characters and qualities. We have rational capacity. We have a conscience. We have moral awareness. We serve God in the created order. We are given dominion over it. Male and female, period, we were created. 
So what does this all mean? Again, we're going to scratch the surface here, but we reflect something of God's character to all of creation. We should seek him to be disciples walking in step with our rabbi. To be human, to have dignity and worth. That's what it means to be human. And we carry that image of God himself. As image bearers, we're equal in dignity and worth. Human value is not achieved by success or accomplishment. It's not a product of your race. It's not a result of building financial power or wealth. It's not a matter of how fit or attractive you are. It's not about intellectual, athletic, or artistic ability. It's not a matter of personality or giftedness. When we think about human worth earned by one of those things, bad things happen. Look at our society. In all creation, we are the only ones created in his image. The most powerful leader in the world and the lowliest person in the world. And I'm going to push here a little bit. So men and women, boys and girls are created in God's image. Hyperfit athletes and frail elderly. My grandpa, my wife's grandpa going through that's in hospice right now. Frail elderly made in his image, the lost rebellious teenager, the college overachiever, the self-conscious middle schooler, the doctor, the patient, the worker, the boss, the congregation, the pastor, government officials, Donald Trump and Joe Biden all bear the image of God. What we think about people should be shaped by God's declaration made in my image. It's a fundamental definition of who we are. It is our all-encompassing and inescapable human identity. We're going to touch on identity. We all, I think we can agree, assign identity to everyone we meet, ourselves and others. Is that true? If you didn't think it's true, I'm going to argue with you it is true. When you see someone, you make a judgment. You give them identity. When you read a post of someone, you give them identity. You put them in a box. See, the problem... So, as I, I had the opportunity a few weeks ago to go down and visit my parents in Arizona uh, for Christmas, got to do some fun things. And one of the fun things, and this may be weird, uh, I read a 600-page theology book and did a summary of it uh, by, by David, uh, uh, Dr. Paul David Tripp. One of the things, two questions he asked, and I think they're fundamental for us this morning, he asked, the fundamental questions for all of us as human is, who am I and who are you? We wrestle with that. See, most of us search wrongly, horizontally from the world for our worth, how we are treated, how somebody makes us feel, our marriage, our job, material items, success, appearance. We look for basic human worth, value, and dignity where it will never be found. We need to be looking to creation and the cross, period. The foundation of biblical theology of personhood is found in those words, let us make man in our Father, Son, Holy Spirit image, in our likeness. Forgetting that value and dignity given to us by those words will force us to look for identity somewhere else where it's never meant to be found. And I'm going to push here. Here's the truth. Your identity will not be found in relationships. They're never a stable place to find identity. Your sexual orientation is not a place to find your identity. Your job or career is not to give you identity or value. If you're a parent or grandparent, your child, grandchild, is not to give you identity. That is too hard on them. 
Physical beauty and athletic prowess will not give you lasting sense of identity. Success as a source of identity just breeds needing more and more success. You see, value as a person is not something that's achieved. It's only from God. Human significance is not something that is imparted by someone else or that can be taken away from some, by someone else. So many of our problems in our culture, I would argue, are the result of the depersonalization of the individual. A stable definition and sense of identity is only ever found in the hands of our creator in Jesus. If you do not have your identity rooted in Jesus first, everything else doesn't matter. I hope you understand that. I want to do an exercise. If you have a phone, pull it out. Put the selfie camera on. I want you to see yourself. If you don't have that, I'm sure you all looked in the mirror this morning. Picture yourself in the mirror as you're getting ready. I've done this exercise. I did it for my uh, youth that I've done for 25 years, my own kids. So I want that picture of you in your head. And if you would, I'd like you to close your eyes. And I want you to hear these words. I want to, I'm not God, I know that. But I want you to hear these words to you, each one of you, as if they were from God. If I could give you one thing, it would be to see yourself through my eyes. Then you'd see how amazing you really are. Sorry. As we come today, we're all coming from a place of brokenness. We all have things we're dealing with. But do you know God loves you? No matter what you've done in the past, no matter What you're wrestling with, God loves you this morning. And we should desire to be appropriate image bearers to other, even in our brokenness. I'm going to make a right turn transition. Sorry. So I want to make sure we understand image bearers. So we'll see if this makes sense. So image bearers, think about our culture. Top left, many of you, maybe from the 80s and 90s, remember the Maytag man. He was an image bearer for them. He's always sitting by the phone because you never have a problem. So buy Maytag. They're never going to break down. Bottom left, Jake from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, he's going to be there whenever you got a problem. Middle of the night, they bear the image of that company. To the right there, Mayhem. You see that picture, you see that commercial come on. If you've seen those commercials, you're like, you stop at least for a second and go, oh yeah, that could really happen. I need to buy more insurance. You know, at least for a split second. And then you realize, no, it doesn't fit in the budget. Uh, but, and then the top right, I'm a Hawkeye fan. I'm not, I'm not unashamed, the good, the bad, the ugly. Caitlin Clark, but it's Nike. So whether it's Tiger Woods, whether it's Jordan, whatever your era, whatever your sport, they bring these people that bear the image. You're best of the best if you have Nike. Folks, we're supposed to be the image, as a church, the image of Jesus. So I ask you again, what's in your reflection? Jesus or the world? What are people seeing? You see, we need to show goodness, love, mercy, justice, kindness, and truth, all attributes of God. This happens in relationships, in-person relationships with other people. We were created to reflect God, to represent him. And sure, we we absolutely fail at this every day. Ask my kids. I fail every day. Ask my wife. 
I think some days, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but remember the Hall of Mirrors? Did you ever go to one of those? Some days I think I look pretty good in the mirror. And then somebody else will tell me, I, you know, I look four foot tall in that one mirror. And then I go to the next one and my face is long. That's sin. It distorts how we look. That's why we have to be in Jesus' words. To be image bearers, we first have to deepen our relationship with Jesus. That's why that outcome is here. So I'm going to share a slide. We had over 100 pages of feedback as we got the survey back and have discerned and went through that that will be helping guide us into the future here. I'm going to put up a slide. It's not meant to read. It's microscopic print. So don't try and read it. That wasn't the intent. The intent is you can see we had, if you remember, if you took the surveys, it was on a Likert scale. Always, often, sometimes, rarely, never. Again, just to get us a sense of where we are. The point of bringing it up there is we had six questions, which I'll read so you don't have to try and squint. But we have some red. We got some work to do. Green. Eh, we're doing okay. And we got a lot of black that's meh. So we're going to push into those things. So if you remember, here are those things in this outcome. And we'll be unpacking the next two weeks the other four outcomes that we're going through as a church. But the first question was, I spend time daily studying and memorizing Scripture got some work to do there, as you can see. See, it's our manual for life. God wants us as part of the circle of love. Scripture is God-breathed, inerrant, and useful for teaching. 2 Timothy 3.16. It's new each time I've read it. I've, I've read multiple, probably 12, 11, 12, 13 different versions of the Bible multiple times. I, I don't mean that in a bragging way. I just, I have, and each time there's, there's something new Something new the Spirit brings to me that I maybe hadn't seen before or I'm a different season of life, so I'm reading it in a, in a new way or I have a different question that's like, huh. And I see Arlen, he's in my Bible study group. He has lots of great questions. So we wrestle together and we bring those together nearly every Saturday. Be in the Word. The second question was, I turn my attention to God in mindful prayer consistently throughout my day. We need prayer. It's our communication with God. And it's simple. You can just have simple little prayers. You drive by somebody's house, pray that they have a good day. You see somebody you know walking, you say a little prayer. What is put God putting on your heart? Ooh, I need to pray for forgiveness for this. Or, ooh, I need to maybe go ask for forgiveness. The next one, I honestly feel and live like my value is not based on what I have, achieve, or what others say about me. Do you see a little progress over perfection there? See, the world is focused on materialism and self. I can fall in that trap. Anybody else? Okay, really? I'm going to be the only one to raise my hand. I see how this works. Okay. Uh, so I see several of you. Some of you know me from, from Pellicorp and my work there. Lyle, Jamie, Jamie others. You, you know me. Eric knows me, right? If you tell me I can't do something, I will prove you wrong and make every attempt. I'm going to make it work. And I will put my family, God, and others in jeopardy. Can I, can we rest and trust in Jesus alone? The next one, I'm able to clearly distinguish between God's voice and other things I might hear or think because I know his character. How do we get that character? Being in prayer, being in God's word, understanding who he is, listening to those voices. Take the hearing God's uh, Hearing God's voice class, great class. I haven't heard anything audible. Maybe someday I will. 
but I'm being more in tune of knowing the nudges I get and going, hmm, yeah, I need to, I need to say something to that person. But be careful of those voices. If they're not biblical, if they're not in line with scriptures, run away. I just got back from spiritual warfare training, so I'm a little more sensitive to that right now. And all of these things lead into a call to sacred rhythms. I have consistent, defined rhythms that help me create undistracted space to be with God. They say it takes 60 days to make a habit. My comment to everybody is, you got to start. So start, whatever that it looks like to you, schedule it. I'm a person that has to schedule things. If it's not on my calendar, it probably isn't going to happen. So schedule it, whatever that looks like. Maybe it's to our prayer tower. Maybe it's in a deer stand, out with nature, just spending time with God. Maybe it's taking a walk out at Red Rock. Maybe it's in your home. Maybe it's at a coffee shop. Whatever it is to you where you can find that space that you can be alone with God. And finally, the last question, if you were here and did it, you might have thought, huh? it says, I find myself humming, singing, or reflecting on hymns or worship songs. Okay, do you, I'm going to push back into our childhood. Do you remember this song? Be careful, little mind, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. There's so much theology packed into that song. Because what we think about, what we hear, turns our thoughts into actions, our actions into beliefs, and those form our heart. We have to be careful of what we see and what we hear. To give you an example of this, I'm going to try this experiment. I didn't do this at the 8 o'clock, and you will understand why in just a second. But I'm guessing many of you will know this. I'm going to say the words of a song, and you will be able to finish it. Stop, collaborate, and... I prove my point. As we listen to songs, they go deep into us. We repeat those words. Why do we want to sing hymns, new and old? They have scripture. They have truth in them that we can pull up if we're rooted in those songs. When we're going through the different seasons of life, we can bring, bring them up and not just sing, you know, think about you know, Ice Ice Baby when it's snowing outside. So again, I want to be careful. All of this is not about striving. It's not about earning something. We're on a journey, all of us, of transformation. Grace is free, but don't turn it into a cheap grace like society. We still have to choose Jesus and turn away and repent, not deconstruct and make this what we want it to be. To bear God's image, this outcome is foundational. To be a disciple of Jesus, becoming more like him. Intimacy with our creator. We are called to look in the face of our enemy. People we don't like, maybe that even disgust us and see the image of God himself. And unfortunately, we are in a cultural movement and this year as an election year is going to continue to push us, even as a church. We have to be careful. We react to those we disagree with with harshness, even in the church. I've seen it in the two years I've been on staff here in new ways. We take, we take it even farther and want to harm or erase people that we disagree with. We are in trouble if we reduce people to a set of ideas, beliefs, philosophies, political positions, or theologies. See, love that has forsaken truth ceases to be love. If you see somebody, a friend of yours, that you're in relationship, doing stuff in their marriage they shouldn't be, something in their work they shouldn't be, I hope you speak up and speak truth saying, stop, 
If you have a relationship, that's truth and love. We need to do that. But truth not spoken in love loses its purity because it's bent and twisted by other agendas. So we have to be very careful. If you don't have a relationship, you don't get a voice. Sorry. See, good theology never produces anger, arrogance, bullying, disrespectfulness. Read Proverbs. The worship team wants to start uh, coming back up. See, Jesus is the ultimate image bearer. That is who we're supposed to be reflecting. Jesus lived a perfect life. He was tempted, but he lived a perfect life. We will be tempted and not live a perfect life, but we need to keep striving and working to transform in our whole life. By grace, someday we will meet Jesus and we will be perfect, as we talked about in our Revelation series. But until then, again, we'll be stumbling all the way. So as you go out these weeks, the only thing I have is a takeaway. As you go out these next weeks and months ahead, what's in your reflection? Every day as you look yourself in the mirror, most of us do at least once a day. Can you think about that and say, what's in my reflection today, God? Jesus or the world?